Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Amen. You guys can take a seat and let's like give God a round of applause for just the fact that he is that powerful. I'm Elena. I'm the youth pastor here. And I'm betting for a lot of you, it's the first time your preacher has been eight months pregnant. So that's something to go home about. Um, We are in our series, Clear Eyes and Full Hearts. And to start off, I want to tell you about my favorite all-time movie. I could watch this every day. It's called Woodlawn, and it is based off of a true story in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1970s, early 1970s, and what was going on, and this is, I mean, like, this is true, this was happening, was there was a lot of racial tension going on and in the town and in the high school. In the high school, this was the first year that blacks and whites were going to the same school, so the racial tension in the high school was affecting the football team. And this chaplain comes in, and he's like, hey, let me tell these guys about Jesus. And, like, they were at their wit's end. Nothing was working. So they let this chaplain come. And a lot of the guys, true story, end up making Jesus the leader of their life and the forgiver of their sins. And uh, as they started acting like brothers, like on and off the field, they started winning games. And they started realizing that Tony Nathan, um, this other, this guy on the team, I ended up picking a picture from the movie. I should have picked a real picture of Tony Nathan, um, but this was him in the movie. And uh, they realized Tony Nathan is like uh, the star on the team. But the one thing that Tony Nathan lacked was confidence. He didn't have a ton of confidence because this was the first time there was like a a black player as a star. He was paving the way. And this was new for the town and for the high school. So there's a scene in the movie where the chaplain is talking to Tony Nathan right before he goes out to play against the biggest opponent yet. And the chaplain reminds him of the talk that he gave to the whole team before. And he's telling them, yeah, that's a Goliath out there. That's like, it seems like we might not win, but you guys are going to be the David tonight and you're going to take them down. And you're going to show everybody in the crowd what God has done to this team. Because cool thing, like the town was coming to these football games. They were noticing something was different. And fast forward, they're like, they went to the state championship and 20,000 people couldn't get into the game. That's how many people wanted to go to this game. So super exciting. Anyway, so the chaplain's talking to Tony Nathan. He's like, go out there and get your giant. So Tony Nathan goes out on the field and he runs past all of his opponents and he's in the end zone. And when he turns around to see all of his teammates coming, you see that he wrote on the back of his helmet on a piece of tape, believe, no fear. Jesus had changed the life of this team, which had drowned out the fear that was going on in the town and allowed Tony Nathan to live out the the confidence that he needed to be the best that he could be. And he ended up, fun fact, going to the NFL. Does anybody need some confidence today that can only come from Jesus Christ? I know I need that. So we're going to check out God's word in our series, Clear Eyes and Full Hearts. And just a little recap of that. We've been seeing, the whole series is summed up. Seeing Jesus clearly makes us see everything else more clearly and leads us with a full heart. We talked about how Jesus expresses perfectly how the Father feels about you. When you're like, what's the Bible mean? Like, how do you live this out? You look at the life of Jesus, because he lived out the Bible perfectly. 
Then in week three, we talked about how we need to, if we want to walk closer to Jesus, we need to clear the road of our heart of dead things. We talked about how God, the law expresses God's standard, but grace and truth are how the Father, or let me read this again. The law expressed God's standard, but grace and truth are God's heart. And last week, Erica reminded us that God wants us to help people see Jesus. And today, we are going to discover that truly growing in confidence is allowing God to move on our behalf when we ask big and act bold. So we're going to read from John chapter 2. We've been studying that book in this series. And we're going to read from John chapter 2, 1 through 11. And this is one of my favorite stories. So are you ready? All right, let's go. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, which that was a big deal, weddings were a big deal, you don't want to run out of wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw out some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water had now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Two real quick things that we can take from this. One, inviting Jesus along is hedging against problems. This bride and groom were smart to invite Jesus. We see Jesus in an everyday context, enjoying himself, having fun, which is my favorite. And Jesus wants to be a part of our everyday life. And sometimes I think we read God's word and we're like, yeah, like we don't need to be anxious. And then we go check our email and we're like, I gotta do all this stuff, right? In my 20s, I was single and I wanted to get married. And you know what you have to do if you wanna get married when you're single? You gotta go on dates. And I didn't really like going on first dates. (laughs) I get like anxious about them and I'd like, you know, think of like, do they like me? Do I like them? Am I going to marry them? Like, ah, it's just overwhelming. And I started realizing (laughs) a little, like it took a long time, but I'm like, what if I just looked at it like a conversation, like a conversation that I could have with somebody that could glorify God. And then I could walk away from it and be like, God is in your hands. I needed to learn to bring Jesus with me on those first dates. God wants to go with you on the first dates or to work or to class or to the gym when you're going for a walk. And I think what we'll find when we bring Jesus along with us is that life is way more exciting than just the to-do list. But maybe you're like, okay, Lena, well, how do I do that? I would encourage you, just pray, Lord, I'm going to see a lot of people today. Or maybe you won't, but like the people that I do see, Lord, show me if there's anyone you want me to talk to or like share your love with, show me who that is. And then if you're like me, you're like, but I'm super awkward, so what do I say? And you can ask God for that too. I personally, this is some Elaine advice, I like to pray, Lord, give me, something to, give me something to laugh about with them. Because there's a lot of people I meet, and we don't have a lot in common. 
But if I can laugh with somebody, I want to hang out with them. <laughs> and, and it's easier to share a little bit about Jesus if there's that connection. The second thing we can really take from this real quick is that at some point, the wine is going to run out. Like no matter how much planning you do, how much preparation, there's going to be things that are going to happen where you're like, I wasn't expecting this. Um, and if you want to be the kind of person that's going to go to Jesus with that, then you got to be the kind of person that's already going to Jesus with, the, with the, the good stuff in the mundane. Because then you're literally teaching your brain, oh, in the face of this problem, I know who's really in control. Just last week, actually before I say that, I don't want to forget this verse, Isaiah. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The wine running out represents a problem for humans, but not for God. <clears throat> A lot of times God allows the problem so that his son gets glorified. Part of living in this fallen planet is the reality that problems are going to come that we don't see coming. A problem-free life has a hard time recognizing that we need a sufficient Savior. Sometimes we can't see Jesus clearly until we are in a position where Jesus is the only one we can see. Notice that he did not keep the wedding party from this potential embarrassment. But notice also that he cared about this potential embarrassment. He cares about the little details. Just last week, I was talking to high school students, and I was like, how's it going starting school? And you know what most of them said? They were already stressed out. And I was like, y'all know it's not going to get easier, right? Like, <laughs> and I encouraged them, like, pray, pray that God gives you wisdom for what to say yes and no to. Because I'm a big believer. God did not create us to be stressed out. Yes, there are going to be things that are going to pop up, and in those moments, it could be stressful. But what you're going to find is in those moments, if you're learning, living your day on God's strength, it's going to be a lot easier to keep moving. But if you're looking at your day like, I got to do all this, then yeah, it's going to be stressful. But let's be the kind of people that in the face of the, the crazy, we recognize who's really in control. Last summer, in good old 2020, my husband and I, in July, were in a car accident. And the car was totaled, and we're sitting on the grass. We're super shaken up, because it could have been a lot worse. Everybody was okay, though. And I'm sitting on the grass, waiting for the police to come, and I'm staring at our car, and I'm like, that was not in the plans. We had just paid off some debt, and I really thought, like, God's going to bless us for this, you know? I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, but I really thought that. And then, like, two weeks later, this is going on. And my husband has a work vehicle that he can drive for work, but he can't drive it for anything else. And so the plan was, we're going to drive that Honda Sonata until the engine dies, not till it crashes, and, uh, and we're going to get, like, a more family vehicle when the time is right. Well, this was not when we were expecting to get a new car. And in the process of that, that, we were also getting all these medical bills. They always come unexpectedly. And I was just like, God, this is like not what I was planning on. But I had to start realizing that maybe in the face of my, this problem, maybe what God was trying to do was more about my heart than these, this green paper paying off bills. See, my husband reminded me, Helena, if we want to be the kind of people that trust God with our finances, then it's not just about being generous. It's about with all of it. So in the face of the problem, when the wine runs out, let's be the kind of people that ask big and act bold. So let's dive more into this scripture. First point, ask big for God to help. Now let's look at this conversation that Jesus had with his mom. <clears throat> now just picture, 
Jesus is having this conversation, and I think there's a lot of things they want to say, but they can't because other people are around. So the wine's running out. Jesus gets his mom coming near him, right? And the mom goes, they have no more wine. And I think she's also implying, like, honey, I know how you got conceived. Like, I know what you are capable of. Can you fix this problem? And Jesus, trying to not say too much, says, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come. He's referring to the fact, like, if I start doing these miracles, this is leading to the cross. But you can't really say all that because, like, there's other people around. And so the mom says, mm-hmm. And she goes to the servants, and she tells them, do whatever he tells you to do, right? And she leaves because Mary was a Jewish girl. She knew her history. She knew that if you wanted something from the God that was capable of the impossible, then you keep on asking. Just like Jacob did when he was wrestling God in Genesis. Just like Elijah praying for rain to return. Just like Elijah pursuing Elijah. I don't know why God did that. Um, For a double portion of spiritual blessing. And Elijah raising a boy from dead after laying on him seven times. You just keep on asking. We ask big because there's no problem that our God can't solve. And we ask big because we want it to be obvious that God showed up. We did not do this on our own. We ask with importunity. Importunity is kingdom-bringing skills. It's literally translated as, as troublesome urgency, excessive persistence, The literal meaning of it is shamelessness, sometimes translated to not ashamed to keep on asking. This is the part where I pause. I just want to keep going. I'm like so excited, but girls girls got to drink water. We keep on asking. And to me, it sounds like childlike faith which is something I feel like is easy to lack as we get older. But we got to think about that three-year-old at Walmart asking their mom for that toy, right? Mom says no, but what do they do? They keep on asking. And if you have that three-year-old, I would encourage you to be like, Lord, help him use this for your glory. And no, you cannot have that toy, right? We need to keep on asking. We need to be like the kids that have childlike faith. When Jesus was asked how to pray by the disciples, he gives them the Lord's Prayer And then he goes in on this story, literally talking about importunity, asking with urgency. The story he tells is, it would be like you having a guest that comes at midnight and you don't have any bread, which in that culture, hospitality was huge. So if you don't have bread, you got to do something about it. So he's like, so if that happened to you, what would you do? You go to your neighbor. It doesn't matter that it's midnight. You go knock on that door and your neighbor would be like, you're crazy. We're all sleeping. But you know there's a problem, so you keep asking. And Jesus says, finishes that story and says, and so I say to you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For all those who ask will receive and those who seek will find and the door will be open to anyone who knocks. A pastor who was a former uh, miner tells the story of how Long and tedious, the process of drilling into a deep rock is. It's super boring, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. But once you get down to the bottom, you, you fill, this, uh, the, fill the hole with a shot, and all of a sudden, all these rocks start exploding, right? It gets exciting. Well, in the same way, sometimes people have long-term, deep problems. Sometimes our prayers are just drilling deep, and mature believers know Prayer isn't an all-instant explosion. 
they patiently keep drilling with prayer because they know the exploding will be worth the wait. Christopher Jan's mom knew this. She prayed for years that her son would choose Jesus. Christopher Jan was sought the party life, the drug life, and the same-sex style during the same-sex lifestyle during college and after. He got famous among the gay community, was popular and well-liked. Little did he know that his mother was praying for him back home because Christopher did not want anything to do with Jesus. An article I read about this, it said, for years she prayed. She prayed to God to save her son. She had converted an unused shower in her home to a prayer room. I think we got a picture of that. And spent so many hours praying and studying her Bible each morning that her knees became calloused and hard. She committed every Monday to prayer and fasting and even once fasted for 39 straight days. She enlisted hundreds of friends to join her in interceding for her son. While Christopher was partying, she was praying. Praying that God would do whatever it took to get his attention, which could have been why he got arrested for a grocery list of drug charges and jail was now his new home for a sentence of six years. And guess what book he found to read while he was in jail? A Gideon's Bible. And guess what he read over and over and over again? That Bible. While he was in jail, he tested positive for HIV and during that process also got transferred to a different jail cell. And on the bunk, somebody had inscribed, if you're bored, read Jeremiah 29:11. So what's he do? He gets his Bible. And he reads, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And for the first time, Christopher was sitting there thinking, maybe, maybe this God of Christianity does offer some hope for my future. Maybe my current circumstances in this jail cell does not have to define what will happen after. And so Christopher decided to make Jesus the leader of his life and the forgiver of his sins. And after he got out of jail, he continued to study God's word at different schools and is now a professor at Moody Bible Institute and writes books on holy sexuality and does speaking engagements for it as well. Christopher says, I am not a gay Christian or a straight Christian. I am not a Chinese Christian or a male Christian. I am simply a Christian. This is my main identity. From his identity found in Christ, as a Christian, he is set out to live his life to honor God and chooses to be single. He defines holy sexuality as either faithfulness in marriage between a husband and wife or chastity and singleness. Now note this, his goal is not to be attracted to women. His goal is to pursue a holy life. He says change is the freedom to choose holiness in the midst of the struggle. This guy is living out God's hope right now. And I'm no genius, but I'm pretty sure that his mama's prayers were behind his conversion. A mama who didn't stop praying for her son to choose Jesus more than anything else. Praying those prayers, and, and she didn't stop, even though they didn't get answered right away. Prayers from a heart that knew that their God was listening, that their God could heal, and their God could save. Ladies and gentlemen, let's be the kind of people that in the face of the problem, in the face of the craziness, when we know that there's people that are hurting, we ask big, and then we act bold. Second point, act boldly on behalf of others. What did the servants need to do? It says, 
Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Now notice, prayer wasn't enough. I feel like I might have just sworn in church. Prayer wasn't enough. They had to take action. Don't ask for God for things that you're unwilling to be a part of the solution for. St. Augustine, one of the most important theologians of church history, said, pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. Yeah, you can't stop the rain from coming on your picnic, right? So you should pray about that. But there's a lot of things that God is waiting on us to get involved in, particularly on behalf of other people. The servants, the only ones besides the disciples, were the ones that got to see the miracle. And they were working on somebody else's miracle, not their own. Our problem is we often want to be the main characters in the story, and not the servants, not the minor characters. There are so many times we don't get to see the miracle because we're unwilling to play the minor role in the story of others. But we need to remember, Jesus shares the secrets with those who serve in the background. Ask Jesus how he wants you to play a role in the background of what he is doing because those serving in the background, they get the best view of the stage. Those who serve in the background get the closest view of what God is up to. I got disciple makers that come for our fierce teens and they show up weekly. Not because all the teens are like, thank you so much and here are gifts and we're just so thankful you're here. No, they show up weekly because they know as they deposit time and preparation and love that these teens will see Jesus. They'll get to see God working on the main stage. They show up because they know over time God is going to work. Same with our squad leaders who went to the wave. These squad leaders took time off from work and their everyday life to spend four days and three nights with our teenagers. And it wasn't because all of the whole time everybody was just changing and God was working that they could see. No, it was because they knew if they showed up and they were telling these students about Jesus and they were living this out that over time they were going to see God work. But it had to happen by them showing up. So let's be the kind of people that aren't just known about talking about the bad news. We all know there's bad news, guys. Let's be the kind of people that are aware of it, we're praying about it, and we're asking, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? Maybe it's to, like, start a prayer group for the soldiers coming back from Afghanistan. Maybe it's to start a Bible study with inmates or counsel women that are in crisis pregnancies down the road at Informed Choices. Maybe it's to bring your family to feed my starving children or to show up for fierce kids on Sunday morning and tell those kids, Jesus loves you. He's got good plans for you. Yeah, things are going to be hard, but you got a God that's never going to leave you. Let's be the kind of people that in the face of the crazy, we choose to ask big and act bold. Notice what happened to the disciples here. It says, the first of his signs Jesus did at Canaan and Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. They did it not because of something Jesus did for them, but because they saw Jesus doing something for other people. God is all-powerful. He created all things, water and wine, and he can change the very nature of things. When we ask and act, God is glorified. He is pointed to and recognized as the awesome and gracious solution bringer that he is. So here's the question. Do we want to grow in our faith? Do we want to grow in our confidence in God? Do we want to see God's glory? I'm pretty sure it's not going to happen if we stick to our own agenda and our own convenience. 
It will happen as you respond to Jesus and take the role of the servant in someone else's story. So you grow in confidence that comes from Jesus like Donnie Nathan did. And you keep on praying like Christopher's mom did. And you keep showing up like our disciple makers do for teens and the squad leaders did. Can you imagine what kind of like foster kids would be impacted by that? Because we're like, that's a need. Lord, is that me? Let's bring them home. Or what kids could be calling you mom and dad because you're like, that's a need. Kids need a family. Lord, is it me? Let's bring them home. Or what kind of material needs could be met in our church and in our community because you're hearing about it and you're like, Lord, is that me? Let's do it. And I just want to say, guys, I've seen you guys do it. Like, I've seen you act big, ask big and act bold. And I just, because we're human, want to remind you that when God's word says God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, that wasn't just for the history. That was for now in the face of the crazy. So we continue to ask big and act bold. Will you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful that we don't have to do this on our own. We're thankful that you really do have solutions And we're thankful that you want to use us. (laughs) I pray that this week for everyone in this room will be way more exciting than they're expecting because they're willing to play the servant's role on somebody else's story. I pray that they'd see their neighbors differently, their kids differently, their spouse differently because they just want to be about you and loving others. I pray that we wouldn't look at our to-do list like, look at all this stuff, but we'd look at it like, Lord, how are we going to do this together? And I pray for anybody who's nervous about a first date, Lord, that they would just bring you with them. And I lift this up in your name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.